0: Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from tolovehonorandvacuum.com, where we like to strip everything away from marriage except what Jesus meant to be there. And we are two weeks for out of the launch of The Great Sex Rescue, our new book launched two weeks ago. We've been having so much fun. We're totally exhausted. Um, But we are excited to share some more things with you today. So this podcast is all about orgasms. We're going to talk a ton about orgasms, why people have them, why people don't have them, and how you can have more of them. So I have Joanna Sawatsky on with me. Joanna was our lovely stats person. Hi there. And Joanna is my co-author. She did all of the fun math stuff and did all of the survey, um, fun stuff, trying to write the survey, trying to analyze the survey, and she knows all of the numbers and I keep forgetting them in all the podcasts. So she's going to tell us some fun numbers, but not all the numbers, right, Joanna?
1: No, oh goodness, no. Um, It's, there are so many numbers in the book and if we did... (laughs) Uh, a podcast. If I were listening back to the podcast, if we went over all the numbers, my eyes would glaze over. And if my (laughs) eyes glazed over and I ran the stats and they feel like my babies, then uh, everybody else's (laughs) eyes would also just be rolling into the back of their head. So we have just, I have, um, four numbers for us tonight.
0: Awesome. So one of the big findings in our survey was that we have a huge orgasm gap, first of all. Meaning yes. that God, like it's in, it depends what number you give to how often men orgasm, but it's like it's between 43 and 47 points, our orgasm gap, meaning that, like, you know, between 92 96% of men almost always or always orgasm, whereas only like 48% of women do. So that's mm-hmm. a problem. And we've been looking at this yes. problem for a couple of months now in the book. Mm-hmm. We also have our orgasm course, which we wrote after looking at all the survey data. But why don't you tell us mm-hmm. what? are some of the big things that make women orgasm more. First of all, why don't you show those YouTube your your fancy notes? Because I like, you showed me your notes (laughs) before we started recording. So show all the YouTube people.
1: (laughs) Yes, I will. And I will also inform the podcast folks. So mostly Rebecca and I are stay-at-home moms. And occasionally Mm -hmm. it shows because I was taking the notes so that I would have the numbers in front of me um, for this podcast. And so I just grabbed what I had handy which was a piece of construction paper and a magic marker. So here are my notes
0: <laughs> for a ye olde podcast. Very much stay-at-home mom. Yes, so awesome. Yeah.
1: So essentially, overall, I mean, none of these ideas, frankly, are, are that uh, mind-blowing stats. I mean, they, they make sense. They're really interesting. But it's pretty much get back to basics. So first of all, we found that if your marriage overall is better, Um, you're more orgasmic, which makes complete sense. So if a woman can speak up and say what what feels good and what doesn't during sex, she's much more likely to orgasm. And it makes sense that she would be more likely to be able to speak up during Mm -hmm. sex if she can also speak up about the dishes or the laundry or Mm -hmm. just what movie she'd like to watch or whatever other discussions you're having. Um, So if women agreed that in their marriage, their opinion mattered as much as their husband's, um, they were 2.26 times more likely to orgasm frequently. There's quite a big difference.
0: Cool. So we need, yes, we need to be able to feel like, yeah, like we matter, like our opinions matter, like we're heard. Yeah. That makes sense. Exactly. Yes. You're like, yes, indeed. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, okay. Next one. What also makes sense for orgasm is that sexual satisfaction affects orgasm rates. Mm-hmm. So women who report having duty sex or having sex only out of a sense of obligation were 3.75 times less likely to frequently orgasm again also makes sense if she's not going Mm -hmm. into sex thinking this is going to be great for me and is instead thinking okay yeah i know i need to do this um she's also likely to have fun and less likely to enjoy it yeah Uh, and And we
0: also found and that's a little bit of a chicken in the egg thing too right because it's like the more women orgasm the less likely they are to have sex only because they have to so It's like, if you want women to have sex because they want to, then give them something to want. (laughs) Give them something to look forward to.
1: (laughs) And that's actually one of the really big challenges I've had with analyzing the statistics. I've done very simple correlations so far. And then haven't gotten into the like heavy duty model building stuff that I learned a lot about in my my degree. Because everything is correlated with everything else. Because you're saying, Mm -hmm. okay, how is duty sex? It's super correlated with libido. Because of course, if she has no libido, she's also probably whenever she has sex, having it because it feels like a duty. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so it becomes very difficult to build a model or do some of the more fancy statistics because everything is correlated to everything else, which makes sense. It's all kind of, a, it. everything is cumulative and it builds on each other. So as if the foundation is faulty, the, the op- op- odds of getting up to orgasm are
0: lower. I know one thing we found when we looked at our chapter two, don't sleep with someone you don't know, is that in our focus groups, Mm -hmm. we were talking to women, we were able to realize that, yeah, like if you have a better marriage, you're going to orgasm more, but orgasming more doesn't necessarily give you a better marriage. Like sex couldn't fix your marriage. So, so in that sense, we kind of did find which one comes first and it does look like marital satisfaction comes before sexual satisfaction
1: which again, that makes makes sense. sense. I tell people all the time that the great sex rescue is health class, the book. It's this should be simple. The other thing we found was really interesting was that beliefs both before marriage and now affect how frequently women orgasm. So if women believe before they're married, that boys are going to push their sexual boundaries, they are 24% less likely to frequently orgasm now. And Mm -hmm. if they believe that lust is every man's battle now, they're 31% less likely to frequently orgasm. So it's really, I was fascinated that we were able to to pick up the differences Mm -hmm. that just a belief has on the downstream um, Mm -hmm. effect of orgasms. It makes a lot of sense that if you look at how your opinions are, treated in your marriage so that you, we would be able to pick up a correlation with orgasm that's much they're much closer when you think about like a causal pathway a leads to b leads to c i don't feel hurt mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to speak up during sex so i don't orgasm. those are very you know boom boom yeah. boom whereas yeah. i have a belief that may impact me in these subtle ways those subtle ways make it less likely to orgasm. It's a lot more, there's a lot more steps involved in the cascade. But we were still able to find that that's how much of a big deal these beliefs are. They are still affecting in a statistically significant way women's orgasms.
0: Mm-hmm. And those weren't the only beliefs that impacted it, but we just wanted to show you no. as, as examples. We've got a just lot two, more in the yeah. book the great sex rescue, but that's just an example of some beliefs that, that, yeah, they can really affect orgasm rates. And you may be saying, well, yeah, but boys do want to push girls' sexual boundaries. <laughs> Cause I know that's the pushback that we get a lot, but actually a lot of guys won't push your sexual boundaries. And I think teaching yep. girls that all boys will push your sexual boundaries really creates a situation where sex is something which is scary for her. And so she has to be hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing that we talked about a lot in the book is like, why do these beliefs affect your orgasm rates? And, you know, how Absolutely. can we start trying to identify what are the healthy ways to talk about these things? Cause all of these things do have a kernel of truth, right? Like that's why totally. they're so widely believed, but how can we reframe them to something healthy? So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. And I think the other thing I would add to the boys boundaries discussion is that it's, there are certainly many uh, teenage boys who will push girls' sexual boundaries, but we should be teaching our girls that if somebody is pushing your boundaries and isn't trusting your no and respecting you, that that should be seen as a red flag. And Mm -hmm. that's the part of the discussion that I think has been left out when we just say, oh yeah, boys will be boys. Yep.
0: Yep. Exactly. Cause that's, that should never be what we're telling our girls. <laughs> and no wonder no. that so many girls see sex as something distasteful or as something which they do under threat, you know, have sex or he'll watch porn or he'll have an affair or he'll lust or God will be mad at you. <laughs> yeah. When you believe all that stuff, orgasm rates go down. So you have been doing a ton of research. You have a ton of data that we mm-hmm. haven't even looked at yet because yes. there's so much stuff you haven't even run. Like, this is a treasure trove.
1: Treasure trove, treasure chest. And so, not only do we have all of these variables, there's some variables I haven't even gotten to touch. Like, there's so much in this data set. Then we have all of these open ended questions that we haven't had any chance to look at because so many women told us incredible stories, some of them so, so sad, and some of them really lovely. I've taken a peek through some of them, but my goodness. I mean, there's so much there and we don't have the time. Um, yeah. there's, there's too much for me to do personally in like an entire lifetime at this point Yeah. in just so, this data set. Plus then we also have the men's survey. We just have so much data.
0: Yep. Yeah. So let us tell you what is coming then listeners. So what we have done, a couple of really exciting things. First of all, we've got some partnerships coming up with some people who are going to help you yes. go through that data so that we can publish some papers. So and yeah. some of our first papers are going to be on sexual pain. Which is a big problem Mm -hmm. that we identified in the book. And we looked at a lot of the factors that go into female sexual pain. And the other thing is that we have just set up, woohoo, big announcement our Patreon account. (laughs) So people have been asking for this for quite a while. And I thought it'd be fun to do this announcement while you are here because you're going to be one of the big recipients of this money. So we have a Patreon account. It's called the Bear Marriage account. It's patreon.com slash bear marriage. We will put that link in the podcast post and description that goes along with this. And the purpose of that is to help us fund our research, and our ability to get the message from our research out there. Mm -hmm. So the money is going to go to Joanna to help do more peer-reviewed articles and journal articles and get research assistance and pay for the software and the statistics software and all that fun stuff. And it's also going to help Rebecca as she grows some social media platforms with more millennials that doesn't pay Mm -hmm. anything. So the money is not going to go to me. (laughs) It is not going to go to the blog. It is not going to go to this podcast. These things are already funded through selling our courses. So the money's not going to go to me. It's just going to go to Rebecca and Joanna to get our message out there. So if you Mm -hmm. want to support us, we would love it if you can be on Patreon. You're going to get access to some unfiltered podcasts and lots of behind the scenes stuff. So you can check that out. We've also got some merchandise we're going to be giving if you give a lot of money. I will even name you something if you give enough money (laughs) so so go check it out at patreon.com slash bear marriage and let's get this stuff funded so that we can spread Mm -hmm. healthy stuff about sex
1: yeah I just want to say that I have been so completely blown away by the partnerships that we're starting to work on behind the scenes it is I'm so excited for the day that we I'm so excited to be announcing the patreon but frankly I'm even more excited to let people know what we've been kind of the skinny fingersing and in the background, um, with some some wonderful professors. so there's there's lots coming out from this data set, And I just am constantly floored and humbled when I look through the stories that women shared with us. We I feel very um, I feel the weight of the responsibility of having this data set. and and I want to do right by the women who who shared us their stories. And so I'm super grateful for the people who give to the Patreon so that we can fund continuing to disseminate the data, continuing to mine it for more insights and more ways that we can understand what's been going on in Christian marriages. So yeah, super exciting stuff.
0: Awesome. So thank you, Joanna, coming to us from the Canadian Arctic way up there. Yes. <laughs> Literally. And now and... I have to go dream feed my baby. Okay. <laughs> so you go do that. <laughs> we will see you soon. Thank you for sharing the stats and remember That's to kidding. find us at, patreon. at patreon.com slash bear marriage. Rebecca's joining me now. Hello. So great info from Joanna on orgasms. Mm -hmm. We've already gone over a lot of our findings, but one of our most interesting findings, I think, is not what books say about women's orgasms, it's what they don't say. And it's how many don't say. Yes, like how many books say absolutely nothing about the fact that sex is supposed to feel good for her too. Yeah,
2: and it's so funny because then we uh, we get messages saying, I read that book. I don't remember them saying that women's
0: sexual pleasure doesn't matter. And they're like, yeah, but can you remember them saying it does? Exactly. Like that's <laughs> the, And that's the thing is... Like, love and respect has sex entirely in the men's section. No, and again, I know I say it all the time. I just think it's so perfect. If your husband is typical, he has a need you don't have. Like, yeah. So you don't need sex. It's so, just so, so funny. So sex is in the men's section. It's something that he needs. It's not something that she needs it just never mentions like yeah. at one point he uses first Corinthians seven to say that each spouse is supposed to meet the other's needs, but that's all it says. It's like a throwaway line, but everything else is about how your husband will come under satanic attack. If he doesn't yep. get release yep. and he has a need for physical release, whereas you have a need for emotional release. What is, I think we should have some emotional release. Does it just mean that like you need to scream into a pillow? I, I was thinking more like a bonfire and, like, you're hopping around a bonfire. Ooh, like it's all the, of the like, naked druids. No, kind of like um, Sandra Bullock in The Proposal. You know, yes. with, with uh, where she's out in the forest yes, with, Betty, with White. Betty
2: White. Yes, is that emotional release? I, yes. That's what I always picture. What would be an emotional climax, then? There's all these questions. Because, again, remember, this is just what we find so funny. And this is not, like, a negative thing. We just legitimately find this funny. Is that you read through all these books. And you realize they never mention that, like, sex should feel really good for women. That, hey, women, you get this. you like sex too like why does no book assume that women will understand that sex is good
0: yep and and to be fair i think i made that same mistake as well in some Mm -hmm. of my earlier books Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and i think that and there are books that do it really
0: well Right? Like The Gift of Sex by the Penners. The Gift of Sex does it really Emphasizes well. Emphasizes
2: women um, have And I should say,
0: well. like, Active Marriage does too. Yeah. I mean, that that book has a lot of other problems, yeah, but, but that's not one really well of them. Well that part. Um, sheet music as well. Yeah. A lot of other problems, but that's not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of books that do emphasize mm-hmm. a woman's pleasure. But
2: in general, we found, we were looking through it, that all the books that are specifically about sex.
0: Emphasize that women should have pleasure,
2: but the books that are about marriage in general emphasize that a husband should have pleasure, and then they just kind of don't mention the women. Yeah. Folk. Now
0: there are some like boundaries in marriage yep. does when it talks about sexual desires, it makes it gender neutral. Yep. And which is great. Which is great. Yep. um Sacred marriage certainly does that as well. So there are some books yeah. that treat this well, but a lot of the marriage books. Um, just don't mention that yeah. women can orgasm or that they should, and or that they have pleasure. And
2: here's why that's a problem. Okay. Cause you could just say, okay, but women get it. So that doesn't actually make a big difference. They don't though. No. The, one of the largest studies on the female determinants of orgasm that's ever been done. So this is a like really big study. It had over 24,000 heterosexual women alone. And they were talking we about... We had
0: 20,000?
2: I know, but that... That, that shows it, how big ours was, okay? Yeah. No, like this is one of the large... The survey in total had over 60,000 participants between men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and they looked at what exactly is it that makes each demographic, you know, homosexual versus heterosexual men and women, um, or but women who are in heterosexual versus homosexual relationships, in essence, right? Mm-hmm. What makes them orgasm versus others to try to yeah. figure out what makes sex good for each sex, right? Okay. One of the biggest determinants for heterosexual women Mm -hmm. is speaking up during sex and demanding for what they want in bed. Yeah. Is asking their partner for what they want. Is speaking up and knowing... Little to the
0: left. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) You know?
2: But here's the thing. Why wouldn't a woman speak up in bed? Mm Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't... And this is what they talk about in the article too, is what they said is the number one thing that we need to do in order to help women orgasm more is tell women that their orgasm matters. Yeah. You know, this is what a lot of research I was looking at was all saying is that we need to empower women to understand that sex is not for men and might be for them too. You know, women who are, who are in heterosexual relationships, like many of us are, and who are Mm -hmm. reading most of our conservative Christian books are going to be in heterosexual marriages and they need to be told explicitly told your pleasure matters because if they don't believe it they're not going to speak up which makes it far less that they're going to orgasm which leads to a self-fulfilling prophecy of well I don't really enjoy sex and he loves it so much so I don't want to be selfish and then Mm -hmm. they go and they read these books and these books all talk about how much he needs sex and they don't mention that she needs sex (laughs) and so then what happens is they start having sex and they think oh this doesn't feel like anything or oh I wish he would do but he's having such a good time and I don't want to destroy this for him I don't want to make him feel like have any sort of like Mm -hmm. self-confidence issues here I don't want to make him feel like I'm saying he's doing a bad job so I'm just gonna fake it
0: yeah because you know in a a lot of books for women only says that that what men really need is to feel like you're an enthusiastic lover Mm -hmm. and so it talks about how it's very important for you to reassure him during sex, And she actually says, first, know that you're responding to a tender heart hiding behind all that testosterone. If at all possible, respond to his advances with your full emotional involvement, knowing that you're touching his heart. But if responding physically seems out of the question, let your words be heart words, reassuring, affirming, adoring. Do everything in your power using words and actions your husband understands to keep those pangs of personal rejection from striking the man you love. Leave him in no out that you love to love him so now picture all those women that multiple studies have found don't orgasm and
2: it's probably because they aren't speaking up in bed mm-hmm. and she's thinking sex doesn't feel good for me mm-hmm Is she going to have confidence that she's not a terrible wife if she tells him this is doing nothing for me next time they have sex? Mm -hmm. Is she going to confidently be able to go to him and say, listen, I have sexual needs too and I need you to take care of me. Or is she going to be scared that she's going to make him have pangs of personal rejection, you know, that are going to strike the man she loves. She is being told by one of the best-selling Christian marriage books that her job is to leave him in no doubt that you love to love him. What if she doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> like, and what if that's his fault?
0: Yeah, because she needs to be reassuring, affirming, and adoring. And it's interesting because she actually says if responding physically seems out of the question. Yeah. Now, again, this what she may have meant is lots of women orgasm most of the time, mm-hmm. but maybe tonight's just one of those nights that you're not going to get there. Yeah. And you know you're not going to get there. We all have nights like that. And so in those times... Just reassure him anyway, okay? I can understand saying that, but the problem is she didn't qualify that. (laughs) Well, and also she never actually says, like in a lot of books, she never
2: actually says, you know, and sex should make you just feel really good.
0: And if it doesn't, you're allowed to tell your husband that. Yeah, and no. you're allowed to ask him to
2: change up what he's doing. You're allowed to mm-hmm. ask him to explore you more, to figure out what makes you feel good. Nothing about that. It's just about making sure that you don't pang, you don't hit him with pangs of personal rejection.
0: Now, I'm sure that she thinks that women are allowed to speak up. Totally. It's just that she didn't say it, and yeah. this is the problem: is that in all kinds of these books, there's a big thing that's missing, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's the thing that's missing that is. A bigger problem. It's no. not even what they say, it's what they don't say. Exactly. <laughs> like there were some books that we, we we did some terrible quotes from a lot of books yep. in the Great Sex Rescue and show, but there's a lot of books we didn't quote from that much, or because it wasn't what they said. It's what they didn't say. It's what they didn't say. For example, with all of my first aid training that
2: I did in lifeguarding when I was a lifeguard in high school, if we were taught how to, you know, deal with a spinal injury. And we were told, here's how you like immobilize the spine. Here's how you do a flip in the water to make sure that you know the person can breathe. Here's how you get them onto a spinal board. Here's how you treat them for shock. But we're not actually told to call 911. <laughs> we're kind of missing the most important point. Yeah. We're missing the point that's going to change things, right? Yeah. We yeah. found in our survey and many other like, research has found, this should not be any surprise, Women who orgasm more like sex more. Yes. Okay? (laughs) Women who like sex more generally have sex for longer and enjoy it more. And their partners enjoy having wives who enjoy sex. Right? Yes. None of this is rocket science. No. And so if you're trying to create marriages where there is more sex, it's mutually satisfying and it leads to really healthy marriages, but you're not telling the person who's dealing with the spinal victim to actually call 911. (laughs) We're in for a bad time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's really important that people do talk about the fact that women can feel pleasure. You know, we have an orgasm course, and we will put a link to that yep. um, in the podcast notes because we know a lot of women struggle with this. Totally, and um, you know, like Joanna said, there's a large percentage of women who just don't reach orgasm very often, or maybe not even at all. And there's also a lot that, you know, you can reach orgasm through clitoral stimulation that takes like 28 minutes, you know, (laughs) or 36 minutes, but you really want it to be faster. You want to reach it in other ways. And we, we have a course that, that hopefully will get you on the right track and help you do that because we go into all the harmful beliefs. We go into technique, we go into lots and lots of things. Yeah. And mostly the course is about helping you feel sexually confident. Yeah, and and that is really where it starts is yeah. understanding you're not broken if you don't orgasm. It's just that what you need to orgasm is probably different from what your husband needs. And we have been taught so much that he needs sex so badly. He needs physical release, and we haven't been taught that we need it too. And we haven't been
2: taught that if sexual release isn't happening for her, you're allowed to take time and figure out how to make it happen for her. You know, like our, our course is something where I hope it's just encouraging and hopeful for people that just tells you, hey, here's the scientific reason why you are a super sexy person and you should enjoy the sexy sex <laughs> yeah. and not should in a shaming way, but in a, you get to do this. Woo-hoo. You know, yeah. and, and there is science to back it up <laughs> so you don't have to feel bad. You know, you can just enjoy this and you can revel in it. And that's really what we were trying to do was shift this conversation from, in essence, pressuring women into giving their husbands mediocre sex and instead telling them this should blow both of your minds.
0: Yeah. Yep. And if it's not blowing your mind right now, chances are it's not your fault and you're not broken. Yeah. It's because we've devalued our own sexuality so much that a lot of us is dormant. It's like, it's like it's in hibernation (laughs) Yeah, because we've never been told how to awaken it. And so we're trying to help you awaken it by saying that, yeah, you were created for this. You weren't just created for emotional release in the woods around a bonfire. Yeah. Like, you know, you were created for physical release too. In fact, multiple times. Exactly. <laughs> and this is something which is meant to be really good for you. And yeah. so
2: And I'm just looking forward to because I really think this conversation is changing. I think women are realizing that you know what? If we serve a God who gave women a clitoris and mu- the ability to have multiple orgasms for every one that their partner has, maybe it's a little bit topsy-turvy that women are currently orgasming less than men, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I think that we're starting to have that conversation. And so I am I think it's great that probably in even just a few years, I'm hoping to see that the Christian church no longer accepts books that say, you know, he needs sex without mentioning that she does too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it changes. So I really think that if we all just kind of band together and say, you know what? Let's just start talking about this the way that it's obviously created. Like, it doesn't even take long to figure it out. Again, like, just look at how our bodies are made. So there's no reason to still be talking about it like it's only a male issue.
0: Exactly. Okay, reader question for you. Sounds good. Now, normally I am going to start to get licensed therapists on to handle a lot of reader questions, but this one kind of relates to a lot of our findings in the book. So I thought that we could handle this one together. So a woman writes, I got married a few months ago, and while everything else about our marriage has been wonderful so far, sex has been a real challenge. Sex is often painful for me, and I find it hard to want it. I often feel like I'm disappointing my husband, who is amazing, even though he would never say that. Um, I've read the good girl's guide to great sex, and I can't tell you how comforting and reassuring it is to read that other women have similar experiences to me. My unexpected lack of interest in sex has been a discouraging kick in the stomach. I was horny as heck before we got married, but reading your books and blogs give me hope. I know you've already written a bit on this, but I really appreciate resources for what to do when sex hurts. Nobody talks about it. So I wasn't prepared for it. It's been a lonely journey so far trying to figure out where to go from here. Yeah. I have something to say on this. Okay. So we've been doing a ton of podcasts, not this one, not the Bare Marriage podcast, but I mean, appearing on other people's podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I have something that I say on almost every podcast that I don't know if I've said on on ours. Yes. And so I would like to say it on ours, (laughs) which is that pretty much everybody knows what erectile dysfunction is. Yeah. If you've watched Price is Right, Mm -hmm. if you've watched TV shows with commercials for Little Blue Pills, you know what erectile dysfunction is. But very few people even know the word vaginismus, yeah, which is a sexual dysfunction that women have, which is what she's talking about when you have pain with sexual intercourse, when okay. uh, the muscles in the vaginal wall contract, so they, uh, they tense up. And it's involuntary. So you can't just relax them on your own. It's not something she's doing deliberately, mm-hmm. but it makes penetration very painful, if not impossible. And what we found in our research is that over 20% of women, I think it was like 22%, something like that, yeah. have experienced vaginismus, and up to 7% to the extent that it was the penetration was impossible. Yeah. Like this is actually a pretty common issue for a lot yeah. of women. So, so of people in the 20s and 30s, vaginismus is more common than erectile dysfunction. And yet we don't know the word for it. Yeah. And vaginismus is also part of my story. That's what I shared in the Good Girl's Guide to mm-hmm. Great Sex. And, and and mine. It's a... And now yours. <laughs> like, we've all had stuff. Mine was related to childbirth, so... Yeah, you had it not primary, like, no. when you first... Got married. Got yeah, married, yeah, but, but instead... Uh, as a, as, a really, as, as a fun little present of a third degree tear. Yes. And just just a bad childbirth. And, and trauma. Ex- trauma. Yeah. trauma. Yeah. Which, you know what? We're going to spend May talking about pelvic floor and preparing for some of the things that can happen during childbirth. Yes. Just general pelvic floor. Help, and so. offering
2: you guys some hope if you've had very bad outcomes. Yes. Because uh, I had
0: very bad outcomes and we're doing great. So, But the nice thing is <laughs> that because you knew that vaginismus could be treated, yeah. because we did all this research... It yeah. actually was... Yeah, quite... and we'll
2: share my story later. But yes, yeah, because will... it's actually
0: pretty pretty interesting. Mm-hmm, but we will... So. Yeah. I just want to say that this woman's not alone. No. A lot of people have... And she's... She, I, I want to draw attention to a couple things she says. First of all, she really feels upset that she doesn't want sex. Mm-hmm. If sex hurts, why would you want it? Yeah.
2: I know she said she bought the Booge of the Beauty course, and thank you very much for buying the course. We really hope it does help, but... If sex hurts, the issue is not a reduced libido. Yeah. The issue is that sex hurts. You know, Um,
0: none of us likes pain. No, like, if
2: every single time you had a hamburger, someone clobbered you on the head with a lead pipe, you'd probably stop liking hamburgers, right? Like, and, and that's what we need to understand is if sex
0: hurts... That's the only issue until that is fixed. And again, this actually gets back to our definition of sex. Yeah. Which is something that we talked about in the book too, is that we tend to define sex as in terms of intercourse. Yeah. Intercourse where he gets to climax, and we think that what we're supposed to want is intercourse. Mm-hmm. Let's let's enlarge our definition of sex to anything sexual that you do together.
2: Yeah. What <laughs> sex is is it is activities that are done with the end goal of bringing the both people to orgasm. Mm-hmm. That is
0: sex. And so maybe you don't want intercourse right now, but you guys can still really enjoy other stuff yeah. that really feels good while you're working on this issue. Exactly. And you can work on it. You can get better. Sometimes it takes a while. What we have found is a two-pronged approach is probably best, you know, working on pe- with a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Please see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Please do. There, there's a lot of exercises you can do. They can really help you. And then the other thing in, is read The Great Sex Rescue, Because we identify some of the beliefs that are heavily implicated in vaginismus. You may not believe them all, but but you never know. For me, that was a large part of it. Well, and also, if she feels so guilty for not being
2: able to give her husband sex, even though he's doing, he's truly amazing about Mm -hmm. it, you know? Like, it sounds like she's married to a great guy. Yeah. You know, it really does. And so it might be, it might be worth looking deeper and saying, is there things that I believe about sex that are actually causing it to not be about pleasure for me? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's worth asking. Yeah.
0: If it's primarily because you feel like he needs this or he won't feel loved, he needs this, or he yeah. might be tempted to watch porn, lust, have an affair, yeah. all the things we're, we're being taught, then sex becomes something that you do as an obligation rather than something you really want. And we know that obligation sex is heavily implicated in vaginismus. Now I
2: do want to say something that she says here, because mm-hmm. this kind of is related. She says that she was really horny before they got married and then mm-hmm. they got married and it hurt. Mm-hmm. And we actually found in our statistics, you know, Joanna ran this because we, we wanted to just see what the effects of having sex for the first time on your wedding night is, you know. And and what we actually found is that among people who have only ever slept with their partner, but who slept together before they got married, mm-hmm. versus people who have only ever had sex with their spouse, but it was at, like after they were married,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, the ones who are virgins on their wedding nights were more likely to have sexual pain.
1: Mm-hmm. And what
2: we think is happening is, we get you know, really turned on and aroused before marriage a lot of times, because what are you doing before marriage? You're just doing, like, eight hours of foreplay.
0: Yeah, you're making like, out. <laughs> you're just making out. You're
2: holding mm-hmm. hands. You're, you're talking while you trace your finger up his ear <laughs> and down his arm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's not, like, full-on making out, all you're doing is just touching each other tenderly and nicely. Mm-hmm. It's not about, like, you know, a butt grab and be like, you wanna? Like, mm-hmm. it's actual foreplay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And so I think what often happens is those people who are having sex before they get married they're having sex when they're aroused and so their first experience having sex is a physically positive one yeah whereas you get so aroused every single time you're making out and you're hanging out before you're married but then on your wedding night you waited so long you feel bad like you don't you don't want to wait anymore so you're you don't you don't spend the 4 hours you normally mm-hmm. spend watching a movie while you kiss and touch each other and just cuddle yeah. instead you go straight to the deed maybe you do like 5 minutes of foreplay cuz you've heard of foreplay But you're exhausted. Yeah. And you're sweaty. Yeah. And you know, you're just tired. Yeah. And I just think that for a lot of people, we need to be telling them, you're married now, but if you wait to have sex until you both want it when you're having sex, not want it in your head. Like I want to have sex today, mm-hmm. but where you're like, I am going to tear your clothes off. Mm-hmm. Um, That kind of want it. If we tell couples, you know, don't have sex until both people are aroused and ready to go. Mm-hmm. I think we'll be setting up people yeah. for a lot more. We
0: need to set a new expectation. Yeah. We talk. this is, this is the big thing we talk about in the honeymoon course that, that yeah. Rebecca and I created is the goal on your wedding night should not be sex. The goal should, or intercourse. Yeah. The goal should be arousal.
2: Yeah. Or also on your wedding night, for Pete's sake, just
0: go to sleep. Yeah, if just you want. go to sleep if you want. <laughs> like, but the goal, the goal for that first time together, is just arousal. I even think it's a better idea. I'm. Not, I don't want to set up a new rule. Nobody no. has to follow my rule. No. But in general, it might be a better idea to figure out orgasm in another way first. That's what
2: I. I mean, I'm gonna be completely honest. Whenever I have friends who are virgins who are getting married, I always tell them, you know, intercourse should be like
0: the last thing you try. Yeah. <laughs> just
2: like figure out how you work all the other different ways. Cause yeah. Frankly,
0: don't start on hard mode. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Start on easy mode. And again, we're not saying that's what's no, happening that's not, here. Uh, no, for this woman, we're just saying that these are some of the things we found that were heavily implicated in vaginismus. And so I think I think the issue about the wedding night sex that leads to vaginismus is twofold. One is she's not aroused, and two is they're having sex just because she feels she's supposed to now. Yeah, exactly. And so she's lost her agency. And yeah. women need to feel agency if we're going to feel good. Yeah. Take- and so
2: then what yeah. happens is your first time having sex it feels painful Mm -hmm. because your body's not aroused. Your body hasn't done the things it's supposed to do to make sex feel good. Mm -hmm. And so then what happens is the only experience you've had with sex is
0: painful now. Mm-hmm. You know, and
2: so then every time you go into it, you're not going into it.
0: And then often, and I can speak from experience, you panic. Yeah. You get afraid that you're broken. You get afraid that he is going to be so disappointed that you push your way through it. Mm-hmm. And you keep trying and it just gets more and more painful.
2: Because your brain realizes more and more, no, this is bad.
0: This yeah. is bad. This is
2: not an anomaly. This is just a bad thing.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so again go slow, get aroused first. And if it's painful after the first few times, you know, see a doctor, yes. um, see a pelvic floor physiotherapist, but get some help. Cause this does affect a lot of women. It affects twice as many conservative religious women as it does the general population. Yep. So this is our issue. Talk to pelvic floor physiotherapists. They'll tell you that, you know, most of the people they treat pretty much are for this condition are conservative religious women. And so we need to get real about it and understand that it's a thing. We need to make vaginismus a word that people know as much as they know erectile dysfunction. And I hope that the great sex rescue starts to do that and offers some hope that, you know, um, that's actually one of the reasons why we wanted a survey of 20,000. Yes,
2: it really is.
0: Because vaginismus, we know that it doesn't occur in a ton of cases, like 7% impossible or penetration is possible. That's pretty significant. But what we wanted to do was identify those 7% and have enough people that we could slice and dice the data and figure out what the reasons are. Exactly.
2: And so we- mm-hmm. in, in, in quick summary for this woman, because she wanted some specific things. I mean, our advice would be pelvic floor physiotherapy, first of all. Please yeah. see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Second of all, recognize that you can have sex without penetration mm-hmm. and have fun with that. Go for it. You know, and, and also just recognize that your pain matters. The problem here is not a libido issue. The problem here is that sex is painful and that should be what's the first priority. Yeah. And it sounds like your husband's on board with that. Um, and so just, you know, congrats right. on, you
0: know, having such an understanding husband too. So, Amen. As we're ending this podcast, I have a review of The Great Sex Rescue to share. Yes. And let me just say about reviews, we love reviews. Mm -hmm. If people want to support us, if they're asking, hey, what can we do for you? The best thing you could do right now is leave a review. Yes, it is. On Amazon, on Goodreads, on christianbooks.com, anywhere. Just If you've read the book, read a heartfelt review. Um, Make it five-star if you can. We seriously appreciate it. And leave a review for this podcast as well. Yeah. We would really appreciate that too, just to get the word out about the podcast. But here is what she said. She called... called it a much needed bomb for the evangelical woman's soul. I just finished this book and was blown away at how seen heard and validated. It made me feel unlike any other book on the subject I've ever read. These women have done a great work having been damaged by the evangelical teachings and purity culture combined with being married to a man who in the past believed them as well. The first 10 years of my marriage were incredibly hard and full of physical and emotional pain and trauma. This book has put words to my pain and struggles where I haven't known how to explain what was happening. I look forward to reading it again with my husband. It is cool how many people are reading it as couples. I know. I think that's just fantastic. Yeah. I think every adult should read this before and or after marriage. It's so helpful. These two quotes, I think, help sum up a majority of what this book is about. And she quotes us here. For sex to feel intimate, it needs to be about saying, I want you, not just I want sex. It needs to be about saying, I see you. I choose you. I want to experience something with you and only you. I want to know you better. You is the key word. You are the focus. Sex is not just about me. It's about me knowing you and building us. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I'm glad she liked that quote. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And then here's another one. Seeing sex through the lens of the cross encompasses so much more than being naked and unashamed. It becomes a conduit for intimate relationships and reconciliation to each other. Sex seen through the lens of the cross has no room for taking or entitlement. That's why sex, in light of kingdom principles, needs to be focused not only on pleasure and freedom from shame, but also on serving rather than taking. Yep. So I love that she found our quotes for for really what sums up the beauty of what sex is supposed to be so thank you for joining us on the bare marriage podcast remember to rate uh and review the podcast review our book on amazon yes please get a hold of the great sex rescue find out all about orgasms yes and pick up
2: the book so that you can also understand just the freeing message that is in this book that really shows you
1: what sex is meant to be and how it is different than what you might have been told amen